You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. This morning, I woke up and I looked out my window and just saw the snow falling. And I think God missed the memo to not snow on Sunday. Uh, so he just wanted an extra blessing on us this morning, right? Awesome. Well, you guys all look a little bit tired. So we're going to start off this morning with an activity. How does that sound? Yes, some of you are excited about that. Okay, so what I want you to do is if you know what Enneagram number you are, I want you to raise your hand. Some of you. Okay, not very many of you. Okay, well, some of you. Okay, what we're going to do is if you know that number and you're loud and proud about it, the count of three, you're just going to yell it out. Okay, all right, one, two, three, seven, seven, yes. Okay, I'm a seven. Uh, if you don't know what that means, it means that I am, it's called the optimist. Uh, I like to see things positively. And if you don't like that, I'm gonna you know, tell you that why you should smile and all that. Uh, but I'm also actually almost a three. Any threes in the house? Some of you, Tyson. That's why we both love that song. All you do is win. All we do is win. Uh, so the threes want to accomplish a goal. So basically, I want to set big goals, and then I want to accomplish them while cheering myself on and winning. So anyways, can we have some fun this morning? Yes. Awesome. Well, basically, the Enneagram is just a personality test. So if you don't know it, you might want to try it later. It's kind of fun. Uh, but I feel like we as people love personality tests, right? We love, uh, I mean, raise your hand if you know what Disney princess you are from those Instagram filters. Or maybe you know what office character you are. Or maybe, you, or maybe you're, where's Savannah? Savannah, you do. <laughs> I love how you keep doing it till you get the one you want. Yes, I, I respect that. I do. I like it. I like it. Called out. Called out this morning. Awesome. Well, I was just thinking about it because they're getting a little bit out of control with those. Uh, there was one that was like, what inanimate object are you? That uh, <laughs> was like a toaster. I don't know. Uh, but they're just, it's just kind of funny. But the personality test, why do we like to know about ourselves? And I was just thinking about it, and I think there's two reasons. One, we like to feel special, right? We like to set ourselves apart. We don't want to be just one in a crowd. But then I think there's also a big part of us that actually wants to find those that are like us, right? So those of us that are sevens are all going to like get together and talk about how awesome we are, even though people like to hate on us, sevens, <clears throat> twos. Anyways, um, <laughs> That has actually happened to me. So anyways, um, no, I'm just kidding. But we want to find our people that are like us, but yet we want to set ourselves apart. And we, as, as people, we have this kind of innate desire to be unique, but yet also not feel alone. And I was thinking about how, uh, you know, we are all more in common than we might realize. So if you're here today and you kind of always feel like, you just don't fit in, or you're like, I'm just so awesome, no one can even be like me. Um, whatever you know, spectrum you're on this morning, we all have some things in common, right? So we all need to drink water. I mean, that's a, that is one that none of you can dispute, right? We all need water, we all need food, we all need sleep. 
A lot of us need coffee. Can I get an amen? Okay, you guys, that was the loudest we've gotten in here. I love your respect for coffee this morning. Yes, awesome. Uh, We all have laughed. If you haven't, then let's chat later. I'm a seven, I can make you laugh. (laughs) We've all laughed, we've all cried, right? Hopefully we've all danced. I would, I'm a, I love dance parties. Sometimes you just need to dance it out, right? Yes. Um, those are, we all have these things that we've done. We all have memories. We all had a childhood, whether it was good or bad. We all had one, yes? Um, and I think it's important sometimes to look and find some common ground and to remember that we are all human. We are all people and we're all in this thing called life together. And this morning we're starting a new series called People on Purpose. And the whole idea behind it is loving each other because um, there's a basic thing that we all have in common besides the other things I mentioned. And that is we all want to be loved and we all want to be known. And that is something Pastor Jurgen unpacks really beautifully in his book, Awaken. And we just ended the series Known where we talked a lot about that. The thing about it is that if we all want to be loved and we want to love others, because that's the call that we have is to love our neighbors, how do we do that though, right? Because that's kind of where sometimes we can get stuck. We want to love each other, but it's sometimes hard, right? Because we're not all easy to love and we all might have moments where we're easier to love than others. Can I get an amen? Yes. If you've ever worked in a restaurant, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Yeah. Amen. Um, Awesome. Well, this morning, my message is called, This Is Us. This is us. Uh, Any fans of that show in here? Come on. Um, If you haven't seen it, I really recommend it. If you need a show to watch, it's so good. And the thing that I love about it, and I think the reason that it was so popular and is so popular is because it's really showing this family and it's taking th- it's looking at the life of a mom and three kids that they lost their dad when the kids were in high school. Uh, and so the story starts, I don't want to ruin the whole thing because it's such a good show, but the story starts with them as they're turning 30, I think, or 33 or something like that. And then it bounces back to when they were born and two of them were twins and then one was adopted in. So it's like the triplets. Uh, and... The whole show, they go through different things as a family, and they'll always jump back and forth to when they were kids and when they were teenagers, and they're actually right around my age, and so it's very nostalgic for me when they show, like, if anyone here grew up in the 80s, yes, you'll like the show because you'll be like, oh, we had that same exact blanket. Like, Vince and I always have these moments watching that show. It's kind of funny. And then if you were a teenager in the 90s like myself, you get to laugh at some of the old fashion that was there. Uh, Yes, but some of the deeper things that I think really connect is that the emotions, the things that you all, we've all gone through in life, whether we've had, you know, we've all had different experiences, but we all had, you know, our first day of school. We all had, you know, a lot of us had our wedding day. A lot of us had our first kid when you literally have no idea what to do with them. And you're like, are you seriously going to let me take this baby home with me? Yes. Like that's, that's, yes. Amen. That is a moment. Uh, And 
funny, just side note, when that happened to Vince and I and we had Hannah, our car, um, the window was broken. So it wouldn't close all the way. So we're driving down the freeway with our new baby and like this aggressive wind is coming in. And anyways, just funny side note to our story. Uh, But we all have these moments, right? We all have these first times in life. And I think the thing that unfortunately we also all have in common is we all had some pain, right? We've all had some hurt and we've all had to walk through those things. And we all kind of deal with them and walk through them maybe in different ways, depending on our personalities, depending on who we are. And the thing that we can realize is that the best way to love each other and to love people is to bring them hope, to bring them tools to be an overcomer, to bring them life and life more abundant. The truth that we know here in Awakened Church, if we can bring that to people in our life, if we can bring that to our world, that's the best way that we can love people, right? That's the best way that we can truly do this thing together. And so this morning, I want to look at a few ways that we can do that because I think it is a you know, we can stand here and talk about how, you know, we want to be an overcomer and we want to bring truth and hope to our city. Uh, But I want to start a little bit deeper down in each of us first. Um, So my first point this morning is that you, each of you and me, we all, you have value. You have value. You might want to write that down. Um, I encourage you to take notes, but you have value. And in order to do anything truly, to truly love people for who they are, to truly allow yourself to be known, you have to understand that you have value. And I'm not talking about a value that you can earn. I'm not talking about a value that you can hustle for, a value that you can work to attain. No, matter, no amount of you know, likes on Facebook or friends on Instagram or views on TikTok can get you your value, okay? And I think that we, sometimes we know that in our head. We're like, yes, you're right, that, that's silly. You know, that doesn't give me a value. But in our heart, it's so easy to get sucked in. It's so easy. I mean, I told you I'm a three, you know, seven, but you know, I have a side note of a need for perfection. I have a side note of a, well, it's not really a side note. I am very competitive and I do love to set big goals and to achieve them. I love that. And so I get it. I get that we want to achieve and we're meant to, we're created to achieve. We're created to set big goals. We're created for community. We're created for all of these things, but they, we were never created to have them define our value. We were not created to allow our value to be so fragile. Our value is actually based on something a lot more consistent. And I actually heard this, um, I saw this video by this high school Val Victorian the other morning And he was talking about how he had this realization. So he worked so hard, right? His whole senior year, he he did everything he could do. He sacrificed. He didn't go to the parties. He didn't go and do the things that he maybe wanted to do. But instead, he decided, you know what? This is my goal, and I'm going to get it. And so he talked about how he, they announced at the senior dinner that he was the valedictorian. 
And he said he felt everything that he expected. He was elated. He felt just on top of the world for 15 seconds. 15 seconds. And then he talks about the 16th second factor. The moment after all of that elation, which 15 seconds is what he said, he realized that all of his problems were still there that all of his insecurities were still there, that nothing had actually changed. And the only thing that had actually changed was that he had lost some friends along the way, that he had actually sacrificed the most important thing, which was relationships. And then as he continues on, I love it. I didn't even realize that he was a Christian, but then he started talking about how our creator created us to have purpose, but that he more importantly, created us to have relationship and to do this thing together. And so I was watching this young, this high school senior and this revelation that he got. And he said, thank you. Thank you. So thankful that he only wasted in his word one year chasing the wrong things. He said, what if you woke up at 50 and you had sacrificed your kids for your career? You know, and I think it's something to think about because the whole point of that is that the value that he had placed and he thought that by attaining the Val Victorian status, that that was going to define him for that. That was going to finally get him the value that he was seeking. But what he realized that that was just a title and that our value is meant to be placed on something so much deeper. And I was actually reading in uh, the book of Ezekiel, uh, which is kind of a random book, but I love it. And it was talking about, uh, and we're not going to read through all of it because there's a lot, but I would encourage you if you have time sometimes. So Ezekiel 40 and through 42. And what's going on here is that the people of Jerusalem are actually taken away from Jerusalem. They're in living in Babylon. And Ezekiel was a prophet and he has this vision where God actually takes him to Jerusalem and it's a, this, it's like destroyed. And God gives him this vision of rebuilding the temple. And the thing that stood out to me was how much detail he gave, like specific measurements, specific detail on what exactly stone to use and how many cubic inches and all of this detail into a building. And if you look at when they, they built this, the original temple that Solomon built, the amount of intricate detail that went into building this building is pretty amazing. And when we were in Israel, it really bummed me out that there is not a temple there right now. In fact, on the Temple Mount, there's a mosque. If you see like the picture of Jerusalem that's so famous, that gold you know, building is actually on the exact site where the old temple used to be. Uh, and so it's just this picture of, so that was a side note thinking about the temple. But anyways, uh, with the temple, the thing that I realized was the whole point, why was there so much intricate detail put into the temple? It was because of what was meant to rest in the temple, which is the glory of God. The presence of God was meant to rest in that temple. And so they put so much intricate detail 
And the thing that stood out to me was that that was actually God was telling them this detail to do. So it's not like it was just that humans got a little bit carried away. It was God was saying that, no, you need to do this thing right. I want this to be exactly how I'm saying, because this is where my presence is going to rest. And the thing that God revealed to me a few months ago, I literally was sitting on the couch and I said, oh my goodness, wow, God, was that where does the presence of God rest now? Where does the presence of God rest now? In us. Come on. Okay. Some of you see where I'm going with this. So how much more detail does God put into designing each and every one of us? How much more detail? In Ezekiel 43, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Got so excited about that. Um, so 1 Corinthians, if you don't, if you're like, what do you mean? You know, because sometimes we, we don't want to ever assume that we're all there. And I don't want you to ever take my word for it. Um, and so in the Bible, it says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? We are his temple and we have instant value just by being the temple of God. Instant value. And that is where our value should always rest in. That is what should give us this feeling of value, of worth and identity. And this has just been something on my heart and in my spirit for months, really realizing how it's the core issue for so many of life's problems, for so many of our society's issues is really trying to find our worth and trying to find our identity in all of the wrong things. And when we realize that we actually have worth and value just because of who God created us to be, it frees us from the, the endless hustle, the endless striving, the endless trying to create things that we already have. So Ezekiel 43, verse one, it said, afterward, he brought me to the gate, the gate that faces toward the east and behold, the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters and the earth shone with his glory. It was like the appearance of the vision, which I saw the vision, which I saw when I came to the city, the visions were like the vision, which I saw at the river of Shabar and fell on my face. And this is the part I want us to really catch. And the glory of the Lord came into the temple by way of the gate, which faces toward the east. And the spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. You see the temple was built and it had value because they spent so much time and it was intricately detailed. But the moment that the presence of God entered the temple and the glory of the Lord filled that place, it, it shifted everything. It had instant value. You were meant just like that temple. You were meant to be the temple of God. You were meant to be a carrier of the presence of God. You are meant to carry God with you everywhere you go. And the moment that you actually let God come in, you surrender to him. That's the power that we have as Christians. That's the power that we have. 
that's when everything shifts. Just like that was the moment in that verse where, where the glory of the Lord came on the temple and what was dead was now alive. When the, the spirit of God comes into us, we are fulfilling what we were destined to do, what we were destined to be. In, in 2 Corinthians six sixteen, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Your value is secured this morning in something bigger than yourself. Isn't that good news? It is good news, right? Your value is secured in something bigger than yourself. But the key is, is that you have to allow him access in. And so I realized, I was thinking about it, and you know what? I think a lot of times we don't realize is that every single person on this planet was created with the potential to be an altar, with the potential to be a temple. Every person. I might have just stepped on some people's theological toes, but it's in the Bible. It says, for God so loved the whole world that he sent his son. But the thing is, is that not all people on this planet are carrying the presence of God. There wouldn't be war if that was the case. There wouldn't be pain. It would just be a different planet, right? It's a moment where you allow God access in, where you say, God, come in. I want to carry your presence. That's why we celebrate every service when we give an opportunity for you to change your life in a moment because it's that moment where you're actually fulfilling the destiny that you're created for, which was to be a temple of the living God. Can I get an amen in this place? It's good. It's good news. It's good news because it's when everything shifts. It's when everything shifts. And yes, all people have value. But the carriers of the presence of God have the edge. I'm going to say that again because it's so powerful if you really let it sink into your life. God loves all people. He created all people with intention. But the carriers of the power of God, the carriers of the presence of God have the edge in life. And that is what my awesome father-in-law was talking about, Phil up here this morning, uh, about the blessings over his life from giving because it's, it's giving everything to God. It's a faith moment and it's carrying the power of God with you. And of course, God's gonna bring his blessing down on himself, right? It's the power of God in you that unlocks things in your life. And so that leads me to my next point. So first point is you have value. Secondly, you have access. You have access to power and authority because it's in you. So you got to get the first thing that I talked about done first, which is allow God in. So if you're here this morning, we'll give you the opportunity in a little bit to do that. But once you do that, once you allow God to come in and you are now a walking altar, You are now a walking altar wherever you go and you're carrying the power of God with you. You're carrying the authority of the one that created everything with you. And that is why prayer is so powerful. And I was thinking about it and it's literally unlocking 
what's already in you into your reality. So it does matter how you pray. We talk about that a lot because it's life-changing. When you can truly unlock things in your life, when you can realize that it matters the how you pray, everything changes. To me, one of the saddest things is the rep that prayer has gotten in our society. We've literally equaled prayer with good vibes. I really want, what does good vibes even mean? Can anyone tell me? It's sorry, it's kind of a, Actually, not sorry, because it bothers me. Good vibes. I don't even understand what good vibes are. And I'm an optimist and I'm a positive person, but I don't know what good like vibes. I don't know. Any uh, good vibes. I'm again, you know, I'm just kind of getting edgy this morning. Maybe if it's my leather jacket, Uh, but I love you guys too much to step to try not to step on a few toes this morning. I love you too much because the reality is that good vibes is not anything. It's literally nothing. And we are equating prayer with that. And so people think prayer is nothing. Prayer is nothing to some people. And I literally, I just saw a video that did get me a little bit fired up. And it was this girl and she was well-meaning. She really was. She just doesn't understand the power that you can unlock with prayer. Uh, But she was actually talking about mental health and mental illness And she said, you don't need to feel bad if you can't pray away your depression. Get counseling, get help. And I want you to hear me this morning that I agree that sometimes you do need counseling. Sometimes you do need to talk to somebody and that mental illness is a real thing. But the part that saddened me about that video was that she was equating prayer to good vibes. She was equating prayer to hopes thrown up in the air And just maybe it'll get better. That's not prayer. That is not prayer. And maybe this morning you think that is prayer. Maybe to you prayer is like, thank you God for this day. It's going to be awesome. Amen. Okay, that's fine. But you're missing out on what prayer can actually do in your life. The reality is, is that depression is real. But the same reality is that God has power over that depression and that he already won the battle. But we're living in chains. We're living in chains. In fact, I had this vision of us living, of people who don't understand prayer and we're not using our access. Like we're in a prison with the door open. And someone has come and said, hey, you don't, the charges are all dropped. You can leave. And we're not leaving. And we're saying, but you don't understand. I'm in prison. Like there's facts here. I'm not trying to make light because I have struggled. I struggled for years with anxiety and it was real. It was debilitating. And I would be locked in my closet, not my closet, my bathroom crying And we were trying to leave to go somewhere and Vince was like, just snap out of it. Cause he didn't, he was just trying to, he was like, you gotta get out of here. And I couldn't get past it. And honestly, no amount of counseling could have helped me with where I was at. It was only when I understood, thanks to Awaken Church, thanks to our lead pastors. And I read the book, Push. If you haven't read it, you need to read it because there is power in prayer. It can break chains off your life. It can bring freedom from anxiety. It can bring freedom in a moment from depression. 
it will break things off of you. And it can also bring things on you like blessing, like opening prosper over your life. It can bring relationships into your life because it's God. God is the one doing it. I think that's really important to hear this morning. It's the power of God actually in you because you're the temple. And when you pray, you're unlocking something in you. In Galatians, I love this verse, Galatians 5.22, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. When we pray, we are actually unlocking the characteristics of Jesus that are in us because Jesus and the Holy Spirit are all one with God. And so when we pray, we are unlocking what is already in us. So by having the power of God in us, we have access to unlimited supply of peace. Isn't that good news? It's good news for me because I have two girls, two daughters. Um, They are four and six, almost five and seven, almost 17 sometimes. Our daughter acts as though she is a full-on teenager and has the life's worries of a 30-year-old sometimes. And so, but our four-year-old is the one that in this season really tests my patience and my peace. Uh, just to give you a glimpse of, of the ways, and I think we can all think of things in our life, we're moments that try to steal our peace, right? We wake up, we have our coffee, we read our, the word or whatever you guys do in the morning and we're having peace. And then if you're me, it's time to get your four-year-old to preschool. And you can do every, I can do everything possible to try to ensure that we get out the door on time. But in one moment that I'm like, okay, I'm just going to quick grab, you know, my coffee cup and then we're going to leave, go downstairs and put your shoes on. Let's go. I get downstairs. Does she have her shoes on? No. In fact, she's lost. She's less ready than when she went down there because she's under the desk playing with her toys and she's like taking her hair out. She's like, I'm not exaggerating people. This is my life. And then she realizes that Vince is taking Hannah to school. He gets the better job, everyone, because Hannah actually cares about being on time. So she's like, come on, daddy, we got to go. We got to get in the car right now. And so then Sadie's actually needs to leave before Hannah. She doesn't care, honestly. And so she's like, wait, I have to wave goodbye to them before they leave. She still has not gotten her shoes on. She runs upstairs. She's waving out the window to them as they're leaving because they're going to be on time. We are already going to be like 10 minutes late for school. Sadie's like, bye. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I could either lose it, which I have done. I'm sure you guys can imagine where I've said things like, you don't even care about me. I've said that to her and I understand that that's not fair to her, but it's because I lost my peace. It's because I lost all of the things that God gives me access to in my life. And I just try to do it on my own. The more that we try to do things on our own, the more that we're going to find ourselves losing our peace. Another example, driving. I feel like we can all relate to that one. Driving here in Utah is a little bit stressful. 
you can lose your patience on the road. Yes. Thank you for honesty. I feel that on this with the snow and everything. Yes. Uh, or you get in the wrong line at the grocery store and then you switch lines because you're in a hurry and then that one just stops moving. Right? And then the other one got super long and then all of a sudden that other one is moving so you switch and I've got my kids. I'm like, we're going to switch. And then this one's, this has happened to me. And then you get up there and they're just chatting it up with you. They're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know uh, because it's just not in my personality. Like when those kind of things happen, I'm like, let's get moving. Come on. Just ask Vince about it sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it's easy to lose our peace, right? Yeah. It's easy to lose the fact that we are loved. It's easy to forget that we have access to unlimited love from God in our life. How much better can we love people when we have we're accessing our peace, when we're accessing our love, when we're accessing our patience that we get from God. But what happens is we try to produce the fruit on our own. We try to just choose joy. We just, I'm going to be happy today. I'm going to do this thing no matter what happens. Well, I'm going to just, but it's not coming out of an overflow from God. It's just us trying or we try to gain love, or we try to gain joy by traveling. And I love traveling, so I'm not like ragging on the traveling, but we try to go and we go to all these, you know, fabulous places and take a selfie. And we're like, in Mexico, in Hawaii, in London, you know, whatever it is, (laughs) in St. George, whatever it is. And we're just trying to find, we're trying to get joy. We're trying to have these experiences but they're not producing the actual real fruit that we're intended to have and that we have unlimited access to. And so it's exhausting. And so we end up just feeling tired and we end up honestly misrepresenting what it means to be like Christ. And so that's why a lot of times Christians have a bad rap because we're trying to tell people, hey, we have the answer. And they're looking at our life going, Um, are you sure about that? It's true because we aren't accessing the power and the the peace and all of the things that we get from God and letting it just flow through our life. Instead, we're just hustling and we're just trying, which is exactly what everybody else is doing. And I will say that, you know, in the last week while I've been really just thinking about this and, and forcing myself to kind of slow down, I've actually gotten into some really great conversations with people randomly, like when they were checking me out at the grocery store and normally I'd be so in a rush, but instead I just forced myself to slow down and chat with them and realize that they all have a story. We come in contact with so many people every day that have a story have a life and they just want to be loved and known. And so I want to encourage us this morning that we don't have to make it up. We don't have to force it. In John 15, four through five, it says, this is one of my favorite verses, abide in me and I in you. As the branch could bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. 
For without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Wait on the Lord. Wait on God. Allow him to fill you. Spend time in the morning. Spend time when you're driving. If you can pray in the spirit, it is amazing. The the presence of God that will come over you. The peace that you will feel no matter what is happening. Because honestly, I gave some kind of funny examples. But I understand that life is not easy. There's, there's going to be some trials. There's going to be some times in life where it's going to feel like you're drowning, where you're sinking and life is just hard and things are coming at you. And it can be super easy to lose your peace in those moments. If you, maybe you lose your job and you're thinking, I have a family to provide for. How am I going to make ends meet? Maybe you, uh, maybe a family member passes away. Maybe you get, you know, broken up with if you're in high school or, you know, wherever you're at in life, maybe a relationship that you really value ended. Maybe somebody that you really care about moved away. You know, there's so many things that can happen in life and life can just feel hard, but we have to abide in God. We have to plug in to our life source and remember that we are carrying God with us. So we don't need to wait till Sunday to do that. We can have those powerful moments with God on our own, in our car, in our living room, in our bedroom, wherever you are, on a walk, in wherever you can connect with God. Allow him to come in and refresh your soul. Allow him to come in and give you fresh ideas. Allow him to come in and give you something that you can run after with God. I love this verse, Isaiah 40, 39. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You don't have to live in depression. You don't have to live with anxiety. You don't have to live feeling not good enough. You don't have to. Break it off. How do you break it off? Prayer and faith. When you pray with faith, something will shift in you and start unlocking things that you did not even know that you had in you. So if you're in here this morning and you're thinking, well, I don't have depression, like I'm doing pretty good on my own. There is so much more for you. God wants to use you. God wants to do amazing things. And my final point this morning is that we have a purpose. We have a purpose. But first we need to understand that each of us has a value, not based on what we can do, but based on the fact that we're carrying the presence of God. Two, that we have access to power through authority, to peace, to patience, to all of the characteristics of Jesus in us and only then can we truly look out and realize that this is us that this is who we are that we are awakened church we are a church that is meant to be sent out into a city of millions of people that need what we have because we live in a city of people that are searching 
I can't even tell you how many people I I talk to or, or come into contact with that talk about, uh, you know, it, everything we need comes from within. You can just, you do you. You can hustle your way up. You can, you know, it's all about what we can do. And again, that's exhausting. Yes. Or they're looking to religion, but they're just always not feeling good enough. And I believe that we are called to shift altars in this city one person at a time. One person at a time because look around you. There's people that God created them to also carry the presence of God. And they're missing something and we have what they need. We have the answer to their depression. We have the answer to their broken marriage. We have the answer to their their kids on drugs. We have the answer to their addictions. We have the answer. And it's in us. And so even if you can't get them to come to church, you can take church, which is you, to them. You can take it to them because you are a walking altar. And so how do we do people on purpose? we allow ourselves to be transformed and then we take that power, we take that life that we're living our best life and we go out into our city and we find other people that are designed because everybody is, we find them and we share with them and we can even pray with them in their living room and they can get access because there's no special prayer. There's no special moment. You don't have to be in a church service. Pretty sure Vince prayed with his friend when he was seven on their driveway for him to accept Jesus. He led his friend to God. Anyways, but the point is, is that you can bring the power of God to people in your life and everything can shift for them just like it has shifted for you. And we are going to shift altars in our city And that is how we are going to influence a city. That's how we are going to start a revival in Salt Lake City. It's not going to be known anymore for religion. It's going to be known for revival, for freedom, for breakthrough, and for a new thing in our city. And you guys, as I look out, you're going to, Brinley, you're going to do it. You're going to be out there and people are, something's going to shift. Lilo. BJ, God wants to use you in a Holden. Man, you are an altar at your work. People are going to see something and go, what's going on with him in his life? You are just like a light shining out in our city. And I just look out here and I just see each and every one of you. Tony, girl, (laughs) you are a boss lady. And you and Lonnie, you guys are a power couple. Your your whole neighborhood is pretty much a awakened neighborhood, but we're just getting started with that. I want so many more awakened neighborhoods. So if you guys can all just turn your neighborhoods around, I love it. We have a mission and a God-given purpose. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, and we're running out of time, but I think it's so important. So I'm just going to jump to the last, I'm just going to read it. 
And I, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And in my speech and preaching were not with persuasive words, human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It is not about what you can do. And so don't disqualify yourself. It's about the power of God. That is the only thing that can shift in something in people's lives. So don't get caught up in trying to be everybody's savior, trying to help counsel everybody, trying to be everything for everyone. I want to encourage you that all you have to do is remember that you have value, that you have access, and that we have a purpose to do this together. The power of God, that's what's going to be the key to change in our city, one altar at a time. And I do not want to end this morning without giving you a chance. If you're here in this place and you have not allowed your temple to become an altar by allowing the power of God into your life, you can do that this morning. And it isn't about a special prayer, but it is about a moment where you make the decision that you're going to allow God to have access into your life, that you're going to say, I'm not good enough on my own. And I want to ask Jesus to come in and to make me new. And then you get to be that walking altar in your city. So I want to ask everyone, just take a minute. No one's looking around. Take a minute between you and God. And if you want to make that decision this morning, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand just so I can know who I'm praying with this morning because I would love to pray with you. As you say, today I want to make this decision. I see your hand in the back. Go ahead, raise your hand. I see your hand. Say, I want to be an altar. I want to be a walking altar. And maybe you have lost that realization. Maybe you've been far from God and you haven't been allowing him access in your life. Today, you can make that decision. So let's all pray this prayer together, whether it's the first time or maybe you're re-accessing, you're re-allowing, you're getting yourself out of the way and you're saying, God, come in, restore me, make me new. So let's all pray this together. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Come in, cleanse me, make me new. I want to live for you. In your name, I consider it done. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.